It is Locked on Jazz for the 28th of June. NBA free agency looms. Let's walk through the Utah Jazz decision-making tree. The case for Johnny Bryant, it's similar to a lot of coaches in the coaching search. Is his better than others? And NBA menus, let's go look at them all. It's all coming up on today's edition of Locked on Jazz. You are Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. How are you? I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz. Jazz NBA Insider, this is Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz, giving you insight, expertise, geeky numbers, and hopefully making it way better to be a jazz fan each and every day. Thanks so much for making Locked On Jazz your first listen of the day. We are free every single day and available on all podcasts podcasting apps as well as available on YouTube. Today's episode brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online where the game starts. Thanks so much. Fun to see some of the live people again. We kind of have been premiering on YouTube more than going live, which I actually think works better for you. Um, but today, I thought I'd go live, uh, interact a little bit. I miss it. Uh, and I'm on the various hotels around the United States right now. Uh, so let's, and I will be, Wednesday will be for the home studio, Thursday home studio, Friday, if I get it off, will be from a remote location and then back home for a few days. Um, all right. Let's walk through the jazz decision-making tree because that's where we are right now in this process is we, we've headed into free agency, and the Jazz have to kind of walk through a bunch of different decisions. Um, what, so the very, very first thing is the Jazz salary cap luxury tax situation. They're, they're still in the luxury tax. So the only thing they have is the luxury mid-level exception, which is about a $6 million free agency signing that they can make to the roster, and the roster currently is just super guard-heavy, right? So we have Mike Conley, Trent Forrest, and Jared Butler. We have Donovan Mitchell, Jordan Clarkson, Nikhil Alexander-Walker. Um, we have Boyan Bogdanovich, Royce O'Neal, Rudy Gobert, and Rudy Gay, and Adoka Azubuke if he can get healthy, uh, which you may have to rely on this year. That roster isn't enough. I think we know that. That roster, as constructed, even with a new head coach, just isn't enough. So the first thing that has to take place from the Jazz is they run through the league, and they um, certainly have done this through the trade and through everything, and, and try to see if without trading Donovan Mitchell or without trading Rudy Gobert, are they capable of altering the roster, filling out the roster, and doing enough to the roster to make this team better? So, like, I've just thrown it around a bunch of times. You throw Mike Conley. Now, Mike Conley, the Clippers, might have just gone out the window with John Wall signing with the Clippers. I've always kind of thought Mike Conley, 
works well there. They protect his lack of size. They they move a piece or two. It's like a I think the money has to be like Luke Kennard and Markeith Morris, and the Jazz just get so a few different pieces, and they change kind of who they are. They get a lot longer at both the four and at the two. Um, Kennard's not a good defensive player, but he's a decent offensive player, and they the Clippers get their much needed point guard that they don't that they don't have now. They better decide they think John Wall can really play, but John Wall, you know, we'll see. Boyan Bogdanovich, Royce O'Neal, Jordan Clarkson. Um, I, 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 I cringe on the Jordan Clarkson concept a little bit because what we saw out of the playoffs is you need drivers and we don't have a lot of drivers. We have Donovan and we have Jordan and those are our drivers and you go get rid of Jordan and, and your roster has a hard time. So you, you roll, that's the first step of the process is can they remake the roster enough to become a legitimate competitor on a move that does not involve Rudy or Don. And if the answer to that on your decision-making true is yes, then you go make it. On your other decision-making tree, if the answer is no, then you have to start looking at trading Rudy or Don, or Don or Rudy. I'm not saying I don't want to say them in any particular order. And then this is where it gets super interesting. You run through Rudy, there's value. There's He's a top 20 player in the NBA. You'll get something. Right. There's a chance that for Boyan, Mike, Royce, Nikhil Alexander-Walker, Rudy Gay and those Jordan Clarkson, those pieces that you really might not get much of anything. You, you might have a hard time getting nibbles. So now you're at this decision making tree. You'll get something for Rudy. I think you have to run a simultaneous decision making tree of what would we get for Don and what we get for Rudy and I don't think you can do what how it's being couched around Utah a lot, which is, would you trade Rudy or would you trade Don? I don't think you can put those into individual silos and just decide we're keeping Don no matter what. I think you have to look at what would our roster look like after we move either one of them, and can we then alter the roster fill it out? If Donovan is bringing a massive haul, and Rudy's not, maybe you have to do that terrible thing. If Rudy's actually bringing a pretty good haul, then you have to do that terrible thing. Both these are awful to me. I'll admit it. It might be time. It might We might get there. It just feels terrible. You've watched both of them grow up. You've seen them both here. You've seen, you know, I'm in the airport the other day, and there's a guy, you know, there's two guys wearing Donovan Mitchell 45 jerseys. He's part of our fabric. You know, I've watched Rudy since the very beginning, and I'm a huge, I'm just a, a massive fan, and I know, some of, not all of, some of the things he's done in our community and what he does that he doesn't want anyone to know about and just how big his heart is. And I'm just, um, I'm massively a fan. So the, but this is the reality of the decision-making tree. And then, so let's say you decide no on both of those decision-making trees. Then you get to this next level decision-making trees that with the limitations of being a luxury tax team and the inability to move pieces, and you decide you don't really want to move Don and Rudy because they're both top 20 players in the NBA, and they're, those guys are really, really hard to find. Can you actually fill out this roster? Right? Like, can you go with the mid-level exception and actually get enough uh, a player that fills out the roster and makes us good enough? You can find a backup center for a million anywhere. Okay, so that's fine. So if you're Gobert, backup center for a million, and Adoka, you're done. But 
Like, can we find another power forward to help Royce out at 6-4? Can we find another wing player that can hand, you know, help Boyan Bogdanovich? Is it Daniel House for the minimum? Maybe. You know, it, you know the, the problem, I'll, I'll say it again, I said it last year. The problem with both Juancho Hernan Gomez and Daniel House last year is that they played hard, and you could tell. It it actually, um, it wasn't that either of them was that great, honestly. It was that they played hard, and it was obvious, which was a problem. Like, that shouldn't have been so obvious. If you're on a team that's playing hard, I'm not sure that either of them actually is as great as a lot of us want to make it feel like we lo- the way we love them. So this is super interesting to me because when you get back to this point and suddenly you say, wait a sec, with the mid-level exception, the luxury tax mid-level exception, and our roster, we can't do much, do you actually circle all the way back to the top of the decision-making tree and have to start all over again with lower expectations and then willing to take less than what you determined was beneficial to you at the beginning. Like, I, this is a depressing scenario, but this is the scenario where, wow, you're actually taking the lesser of two evils. The one evil is we, we decide we don't want to trade Rudy, we want to trade Don, and you go through the model, and then you get to the bottom, and you couldn't get anything from Mike Boyan, Royce, Jordan, and you suddenly say, wait a sec, our roster's not any different, and it's and I can't really change it up enough to make it better. And you have to circle back to the top, and now all of a sudden you're me- maybe moving Royce, Mike, Boyan for something you didn't want previously, or God forbid you're trading Donovan and Rudy because you really feel hamstrung and stuck that, you, that the team's just kind of stuck in mud. Now, the very first part of the decision-making tree I probably ignored, which is our Donovan – and Rudy, can they play together? And the answer is yes. Like I just am not buying that Donovan and Rudy um, are. I've watched them together so much that I, I just don't believe that they are un, that their relations untenable. Um, the fact is, they compliment uh, somebody in the chat room saying is they compliment each other. Um, they compliment each other beautifully, frankly. You know, Rudy's rim roll allows Donovan. Um, to get some freedom. Donovan, I think, would like more space at times. Uh, Don, Rudy's defense helps Donovan. They actually perf- complement each other relative pretty perfectly. Um, and, you know, the other thing is, that, like, frankly, it's hard to win. They're both top 20 players in the NBA, and it's hard to win. You know, it's easier to win if you have a top five, right? That's, that's what everyone's doing in the draft every day. So that's the decision-making tree, and this is going to be fascinating to watch. And I think... Frankly, they've been through the decision-making tree. Like, I think they know at this point what's going to happen. I don't think they're going into the next three days blindly. I think they have an idea, and they know what's going to happen. We'll see. And and my daughter has a practice round Thursday afternoon, right during the trade when the free agents. So I'm certain we're making a move right at the top 
when I won't. No, we'll see. Uh, it is Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Thanks so much for tuning in. Thanks for making us your first listen. Thanks for five stars. Thanks for the likes on YouTube. Today's show is brought to you by the Tuesday edition is brought to you by my good friends over at Murdoch Hyundai. We are walking down the road of possibly our third Hyundai from Murdoch. I We are looking at another electric vehicle. And I am done the research and research and research. And I have can't figure out why the Ionic is not the right choice again. And this is not even just that, like I text Blake and bother him at all hours of the night. This is not just at the amazing customer service that we get our lockdown listeners ever. I literally just went and did the research electric car. Like my daughter's going to drive it some. So it's not going to be a Tesla. It's not going to be an Audi. It's not going to be a $100,000 car and have my 18-year-old daughter driving it. We're not doing that. And the price tag, the value, the quality of Hyundai we've had in our first two, I think I'm on the verge of a third one. This is the greatest sponsorship deal ever for Blake Murdoch. I just keep buying cars to justify the ads. Uh, Can I say that I sent myself? You should stop by any of the local Hyundai dealerships. They're not charging more than MSRP. Go check it out. The Tucson and the Santa Fe hybrids are pretty incredible. They've got uh, their electric hybrids, so you plug them in. And if you're just commuting locally around town, you never use gas. If you're going on a longer trip, you have the gas. It's pretty great. I, I dug into those as well. I've been doing a lot of research recently on cars. Eh, free time. It's not always a good thing for me. It is La- It is Murdoch Hyundai, located 4646 South State Street. Also located in Logan and in Linden. Feel free to email me first. I got three emails this week of people that are stopping by cars uh, to check out cars. So please email me first and I'll set you up with the meeting. Today's show is also brought to you by Bet Online. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your betting and sports info needs. Find all the latest sports developments, league reviews, and news, including this year's uh, Major League Baseball. Bet Online is continuing. Source. There's all sorts of fun things at Bet Online right now in regards to the draft. The other one I'm having super fun with is every day I look at the Bet Online odds and I'm like, all right, well, which game do they say will be the pitcher's duel? And which game do they say will have the most run scored? So the pitcher's duel of the day in Major League Baseball is Milwaukee at Tampa, Woodruff versus Baez. Both are, that's a uh, seven. They also, uh, over under seven. Also, Tigers, Giants with Rodon on the mound is a seven. They expect the most runs in Kershaw versus Freeland in the Rockies game. Again, altitude winning that one out. And then the other fun ones they have, they have just a ton of basketball futures right now um, taking place. And with the, uh, we talked about the Warriors are the plus 525 to win it. Right now is a great time to go get your, but then also uh, cover athlete for uh, 2K23 is Steph at plus 123, John Moran at plus 125. Then they have the Lakers over under wins. Then they have all sorts of rookie of the year and things like that. So super fun um, all going on. Just kind of look at and see what's taking place at bet online. Gonzaga, by the way, is your odds on favorite to win the 2023 men's basketball champion, followed by North Carolina, Houston, and Kansas. That's all at betonline.net. Thanks very much for uh Listening to Locked On Jazz today, it is your first listen. All right, yesterday we made the case for Alex Jensen. I apologize that YouTube just never uploaded yesterday. I set it up and I leave and then just stopped at 98%. So it's delayed. So that episode is out there. I'll set it, put a card up for it um, for you so you can go grab it if you want to. Um, the 
yesterday did the case for Alex Jensen. And Alex Jensen's case is actually unique to Alex Jensen. Um, and I have avoided, as I said yesterday, kind of talking about Johnny Bryant and talking about Alex Jensen because I know them better and it seemed unfair. And I also, like, just being provincial seems really kind of anti-intellectual. Um, so I have kind of stayed with it. But let's talk about Johnny Bryant for a second because I don't want to dismiss the two of them. So Johnny's career is fascinating. He goes to the University of Utah. He plays. I actually lecture in one of his classes at one point because I'm that old. And he then is working out Paul Millsap, and he does such a great job with working out Paul Millsap that are the Jazz, who are very understaffed at that point, with Tyrone Corbin taking over for Jerry Sloan and just having no staff, that Paul kind of said, hey, can we get this guy's amazing player development? And so Johnny then works his way into the Jazz staff through working out Paul Millsap and building that relationship. And then he becomes really good at player development. And when Gordon Hayward comes, he works with Gordon Hayward and he helps build up Gordon Hayward. And then Gordon Hayward goes to Boston and then he works up Don and then he takes Donovan and he works Donovan up. And then Johnny goes to New York where he gets offered, I think like close to a million dollars to be the, or more to be the associate head coach of, um, of the New York Knicks. And he and Vanessa and their beautiful children moved to New York city. And now he's the Knicks associate head coach with Tom Thibodeau. So his exposure to the game is Tyrone Corbin, Quinn Snyder, and um, Tom Thibodeau. And he's known to be have great relationships with Max players and, um, you know, high-level, highly marquee player, gets along with the marquee players terrifically. And he's known as player development. This is where the case for Johnny Bryant gets really interesting. Like when we did the case for Alex Jensen, there was the unique thing that he kind of knew the roster. He'd been with the team. He'd been a head coach. There's some uniqueness to it. The case for Jason Terry to me is fascinating, right? He's been a 17-year pro. There's a difference to who he is. Um, he's coaching the G League last year. Like his, like that really like his resume moves my meter. His effort to go to the G League moves my meter. The case for Terry Stotts is very different, right? He's got multiple head coaching. Johnny Bryant, Charles. Lee, Will Hardy, the assistant coaches that have been working their way up, that are very bright and young and energetic and have relations and player development. There's no way for me in this chair to make the case for Will Hardy over Johnny Bryant over Charles Lee. Kevin Young out of Phoenix kind of falls under the Alex Jensen thing where he's been a head coach of the Utah Flash and you actually have that different. Joe Mullinex has been a head coach in college and um, so that adds a little bit of a different feeling to him. But you, and there's other candidates that I'm not forgetting because Lamar Skeeter should be in this conversation too. Lamar Skeeter's got, you know, 10 years in the NBA as an assistant working with Mike Budenholzer and then coming from Atlanta to work with Quinn Snyder. He had his like eight year anniversary with the Jazz the other day. So but these guys, that's just gut. The, the case for Johnny Bryant really gets down to gut. That Danny Ainge and Justin Zanuck and Ryan Smith sit across from him and just believe. It's the same thing as the case for Will Hardy. It's the same. And you can, you can make the case, right? So I can make the case on Johnny Bryant. He's a player development guy. He's worked with Millsap. He's worked with Hayward. And he's worked with Donovan. And he's got great relations with Max players. And he develops the players. And he can speak with the players. And he can interact with players, right? And I can make the case for Will Hardy that he is, had amazing exposure with Pop, with Team USA, with Adoka. He's super bright. He's a basketball junkie. I can make the case for Charles Lee that he's out of Bucknell. He had 
another really good school. He had the background of playing in Europe. He came back to the U.S. He Mike Budenholz, or had, he had the you know he went back to work at Bucknell. He then um, he gets hired. Uh, you know, I think it was Charles Lee that was in the Spain training camp that we talked about, and he he makes such an impression that he goes to that. And and so I can make those cases, but the fact is. Those hires, the hires that have no head coaching experience, are simply going to be a gut play by Danny Ainge, by Justin Zanuck, and by Ryan Smith. And there's nothing wrong with that. But that's what those are. Like, if I'm making the case for one of them, I frankly don't have the exposure or interaction or something, the texture to be able to say, this is why. And that's what makes this coaching serve search super interesting and then also the fact that you know we just don't know what our roster is going to look like and so maybe one of these coaches is better in that circumstance it was the uniqueness to Alex yesterday was that he could probably bridge that the uniqueness to Terry Stotts is he could do some other things so um and I think that's where things get really interesting here is that the, a lot of this is these meetings like I believe they're moving toward the final stage of Ryan Smith sitting down with him and who's Ryan Smith moved by who does Ryan Smith feel as though is the right guy to lead his franchise and his investment into the next year. Who can he trust? Who does he believe is going to be straightforward, honest, help build the culture, be the teammate that Danny Ainge talked about in our sit-down interview? Those are the things that are so interesting um, to me on this when you try to make the case. And And I'll say it again, like Jason Terry is super interesting to me. I don't know if he's the right head coach. I've talked to people in Seattle who say they don't know if he's ready. I wonder what you need to be ready after 18 years in the NBA. Sam Cassell's a super interesting case, too. Sam Cassell, I wish he'd had some head coaching experience and he doesn't have any. You know, I always like the head coaching experience. But if you make the gut play, go with it. Uh, so interesting. Today's show is brought to uh, We'll go NBA menu shopping here in a second. Our menus today include the New York Knicks, which is always a little interesting. Um, and actually has some players you might want the Orlando Magic, the Philadelphia 76ers, and we'll get to the Toronto Raptors if we can. Two of those get really spicy. It is Locked on Jazz. It's brought to you today by our friends over at rockauto.com. Rock Auto, doing amazing things for the do-it-yourselfer or for the professional. Rock Auto, you can save time and money when using Rock Auto. You don't save some money. 30, 50, even 100% more. Like the Honda Odyssey fuel pump is $353 at a local chain store. It's $216 at Rock Auto. It's a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years, and they're not spending money on the flash and the pizzazz and all that stuff. Their prices are reliably low for every customer. Then everything you need, brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, even new carpet. Encourage you to go check it all out at rockauto.com. It's an old school, easy to navigate website, and you'll find the solution to your auto part needs. It's amazing selection, reliably low prices. It's all the parts, car parts you'll ever need. It's rockauto.com. And please, right now, when you go to rockauto.com and you see all the parts available for your car and truck, when you're checking out, please write locked on in the how do you hear about us box. That's locked on in the how did you hear about us box. It is Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Thanks so much for your first listen of the day. That is so greatly appreciated that you've taken the time. And make sure you check out Locked On NBA for your second listen. All the rumors, all the news, all the Kyrie madness. They had to record the show twice. 30 minutes every day, Locked On NBA, Locked On NBA update in just 30 minutes. All right, let's go menu shopping. 
Um, the New York Knicks. And this one actually to me is interesting. First off, it's interesting because we all know they want Donovan. Um, and so, you know, that's the first question is, it, you know, do they, do, does this team want Donovan Mitchell or Rudy Gobert? And the answer is yes. It's usually the answer on almost every team. So is there a natural answer there that would intrigue any of us? And, you know, what gets interesting is you're probably, for $28 million, you have to probably bring Julius Randle back, which none of us really want. Can you, you know, does Julius Randle, does R.J. Barrett, or do you take, you know, would they do R.J. Barrett? You're going to have to sign him. You have to believe he's your future. He's a restricted free agent. And Evan Fournier. And you're stuck with two years at $18 million on Evan Fournier, but you get to Donovan's number and you get a load of draft picks. Do you do R.J. Barrett, Alec Burks, and Nerlens Noel? That gets you to the right number. Club option on Alec Burks and Nerlens Noel. They come off your book next year. Doesn't help you with luxury tax. You get R.J. Barrett and a bunch of... The fact is, I don't think they're going to be willing to move R.J. Barrett. Um, and so then it gets really like, do you like Obi Topham? Do you like Cam Reddish? You really like Emmanuel quickly. And none of those guys, to me, move the meter at any grand level. So you better be getting about a million draft picks for that. Now, the other one that gets interesting is the Knicks really want to move off some of these guys. And so, you know, Alec Burks is playing pretty well. He's 10, 10 million this year. He's 10.5 next year on a club option. It might not be a terrible deal. Um, you wonder whether or not that might be available. For us, trying to go get a $10 million salary probably means Royce O'Neal. Um, it could be Rudy Gay, Nikhil Alexander-Walker. Um, but that doesn't save them a lot of money. And the reason they would do this was to be get off money to be able to fig- get their Jalen Brunson deal done or get uh, one of their other deals done in the process. The Knicks are funky because um, they have these... They have just a ton of players, and they're all assigned, and everyone is on a club option for 23-24 other than Evan Fournier at 18 and Julius Randle at 25.6. Otherwise, there's not a lot of guys on that roster. I do think A.B. is interesting. I think A.B. is playing well enough. He's a winning player that helps you uh, win, can win games right now. And so that, you know, at $10 million, I don't know what, what the Jazz have to offer there that solves any of their needs or their desires. Orlando, now that they have Paulo Banchero, probably has some guys that they want to move. Um, frankly, the guy they probably want to move most is Cole Anthony. I don't know whether Cole Anthony is a piece you build around for the future. It's another small guard. Markel Fultz is signed for 16.5 and 17 the next two years. I am a fan of Wendell Carter Jr., and he's 14, 13, 12, and 11. Descending deal over the next four years. Makes him really interesting to me. Is there a monster deal with Orlando in any way for the Utah Jazz? Like, is there any deal? Like, if they suddenly called and said, we want Rudy Gobert to pair with Paulo Banchero, and we're going to make, we're going to go for it. Is I love Franz Wagner. I like Jalen Suggs out of the draft. He had a horrendous shooting year. Cole Anthony, RJ Hampton. Is there a monster deal that the Jazz could try to pull off with Orlando? 
Jonathan Isaac has got $17 million on the books um, for the next few years and has been oft injured, but if he's ever good, he's great. Markel Fultz probably never becomes great. I mean, that one's not, like, that's a pretty interesting little game there. Like, can you piece something together here that would actually come together and excite you as a Jazz fan? Jalen Suggs, Jonathan Isaac, and Wendell Carter Jr. for Rudy Gobert. And you probably got to get, you probably want something else. Yeah, you're really just Orlando bad, but it's kind of a wild, just playing. It's all what we do, right? Um, for 30th birthday party, we just play with trade machines and make Rudy feel unloved. It's not It's not the greatest script we've ever done here, but that's that's what we're doing these days. The next one gets super interesting is Philadelphia. And when we went for my model on the decision-making tree, is there a way that the Jazz would be willing to go get Tobias Harris? And is Tobias Harris that much better than Boyan Bogdanovich? You know, do you actually really get better or do you just get different? So Tobias Harris is at 37 million this year and 39 million next year. If it doesn't work, you probably could trade 39 million and on Tobias. I don't think you'd have to. And can you trade them? You'd have to trade $36 million worth of salaries. Um, do they want Mike Conley, Royce O'Neal, and Rudy Gay? Gets you to the right number for Tobias Harris. Now, they just traded for DeAnthony Melton, so I'm not sure why they need that. They don't really have a point guard other than James Harden, and maybe they'd like to lessen that burden. I can't see them pulling the trigger on that one. The numbers do work on that. But Tobias Harris is an interesting little piece to that puzzle. But the fact that they just added DeAnthony Melton, I don't know why they would want Royce O'Neal as well, but maybe it's just another defender. We'll take George Niang back in any deal at all times, always. And the last team to look at is Toronto. And, you know, everybody's played this trade machine forever. And that is, you know, if you're, they have $20 million of cap room right now, um, or they're $20 million over the cap room, $3 million over the tax. It's, it's the Rudy Gobert trade, if you're going to, is the one that's talked about most there. OG Ananobi has one of the better contracts in the NBA, so everyone's talking about him um, because his contract is, is reasonable and he's good, but he's probably not a superstar. At least the analytics kind of tell me he's not quite ready to make that jump. And he's at 17, 18, and then a player option. He probably is only going to take two years. Gary Trent's got a player option after this year that he probably opts out of. They're not trading Scotty Barnes. They probably would trade Pascal Siakam at his 35 or 36, but that's a straight up for Rudy Gobert at some point in that process. Is there something else here that can be done? They don't need a point guard. They have Fred Van Vliet. Do they want a Boyan Bogdanovich? He doesn't really match who they are with their length and their athleticism. There's probably not something else that gets done with Toronto that doesn't involve the $35 million of Rudy Gobert, and that ends up, or Donovan Mitchell, and that ends up really being OG Ananobi and Gary Trent. And then you better figure out if you're getting anything else for it. All right.
that fun little conversation in the chat room today. That is our menu searching of Locked on Jazz. Back with you tomorrow. Rumors are quiet right now. What does that mean? We'll talk about it. We'll continue. It is Locked on Jazz. Thanks very much. Right now, make Locked on NBA your second listen of the day. Have a good one.